0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Our world is always so rush, rush. We can never get any personal time to ourselves, let alone those that we love. Welcome to Might Radio with host Gabriella Von Ray. Our mission to reintroduce kindness and compassion to our busy lives. Remember when life was so much simpler? Gabriella and her guests today will pick up the ball of human kindness and by doing so, empower you to make changes in your own life. And now, here is Gabriella Von Ray.
2: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another Mike Radio Show. Our guest today is author Bree Housley, and she will be talking, first of all, it's pre-eclampsia month, and she wrote a book titled, We Hope You Like This Song. Brie, welcome to the show. Oh, Thank you so much. It's really good to be here. I had the chance to find a copy of your book <laughs> <laughs> and to go through it. Of course, I haven't read every word yet, but no. I'm intrigued. And uh, I made little notes uh, along the way. Great. And I want the listener to, first of all, find out, Brie, what you are about before the book, you as a person, and then how you came about writing this book.
3: Um. Well, I guess I'd have to go (laughs) all the way back to, um, I'm starting on a pretty heavy note, but um, my best friend uh, for all of childhood and, you know, into adulthood um, died from something called preeclampsia when she was 25 years old, Um, and, you know, I've always been a writer, I'm an advertising uh, copywriter, so after that happened, I (laughs) had this feeling in my stomach that I just you know i wanted to tell our story i wanted to do something you know to get her story out and kind of you know keep her living um but i didn't really know how to go about that because mm-hmm. it was too sad of a story <laughs> um i i kind of joke i didn't want it to be beaches i didn't want to just you know i had this awesome friend and she was great and then you know this horrible thing happened in the end um so i kind of sat on it for a little while and there was a random day, uh, I think it was the 3rd of January in 2009, and I was sitting with some of my girlfriends at a bar, <laughs> and we were talking about New Year's resolutions and how silly they can be. <laughs> um, you know, everybody goes in with this great idea, and then a week later, it's over. And we were talking about, you know, what if you did a different thing each week? And they could be totally random, like, you know, not day drinking, um, <laughs> which we were saying, as we were sitting at a bar at... You know, 3 p.m. Um, and so, on my way home, it kind of hit me that maybe this was a way to celebrate the way Shelley lived, because she was exactly that type of person who would do just about anything on any given day. Um, so, so, from there, it turned into a conversation with my sister, um, you know, just to find out if I was crazy for thinking I could do something like this. And not only did she <laughs> say it sounded like a fun idea, she wanted to do it with me. Um, so, we spent a year, you know, kind of living in Shelley's shoes and, you know, trying to be more social and do, you know, do good things and do crazy things. And um, by the end of that year, I had gone through this really strange therapy <laughs> and i had this happy ending for my friendship with shelly because you know i learned a lot more about myself and more about what it was probably like to be her and it just seemed like time to sit down and write a story about you know the life of our friendship and not the death of my friend <laughs> so yeah, <absolutely. laughs> it's a very long answer to your question no <laughs> it's good it's
2: good keep going <laughs>
3: <laughs> well yeah so i mean I I really didn't know, you know, everyone wants to write a book. There's always, you you know, friends always, you tell a funny story and people say you should write a book. But finding out how to do that (laughs) is a lot harder. And I'm sure you know you've written a book. But, you know, I didn't have any connections. I didn't really know how to start. So I literally went and bought um, Publishing for Dummies. And I just yeah, followed. <laughs> yeah, I just kind of followed their advice, and of course you know lurked online to find you know advice and and whatever and it was a really long process, but I got really lucky and signed with a literary agent, and then you know kind of had to start from scratch again and, and go through a million steps and you know and then we got um I ended up getting published by seal press, which is a really great uh publishing house um most it's it's for women about women. And um, yeah, from there, it just kind of happened. And I suddenly had the book in my hand, you know, two years later.
2: (laughs) Wow, that sounds incredible. Yeah, I bet you Shelly would be real proud of you, though, that you did that. (laughs) I I certainly hope so. (laughs) You you write in your book that Shelly made uh, life a brighter place. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
3: Well, it's funny, because Actually, in writing this, I was really worried that I wouldn't um, get across just how special she was to the world. And since it's come out, the best thing I've gotten, I've gotten emails from people who were her, who were her friends and not necessarily mine, who had that same sentiment, and they said just, you know, reading this stuff about her just made them happier, and that's how she, you know, when she was here on this earth, she would literally walk out of the house, and if someone was out there, she would say hello, and she would tell them she likes their shirt, and, you know, just, like, the smallest things that she would do to make someone else happy were just incredible, and it's something, you know, I took for granted as her best friend. It was actually kind of annoying to me, to be honest, because I'm yeah. not that kind of person. And I'd be like, oh, God, here she goes again. And so I she was, you know,
2: <laughs> she was much more social than you are, I oh, gathered yeah, from yeah. the book. You were this quiet person, and she was like a sort of, um, you You refer to her as a social butterfly. Uh,
3: yes, she is the <laughs> definition of social butterfly. <laughs> and yeah.
2: How did your friendship start out? Because your book is really totally a tribute to her, correct? Correct. Um, you so, know, oh, go ahead. So tell us a little bit about Shelly and well, about how you met her.
3: Okay. Uh, I can actually remember the exact day that I met her. Um, it was in fourth grade, and she was the new girl in class. And, you know, back then when there was a new person, you all just kind of sat there and judged them immediately and decided whether you wanted to be friends with them or not.
2: Yeah. Uh, stopped, by the way. What's that? I said that hasn't stopped, by the way. (laughs) Of
3: course. Um, But, yeah, I, of course, saw how cool she was. And in the back of my mind, I, you know, decided we would be friends. But um, I wasn't so cool. Um, I had some very unfortunate years um, where I had half of my head permed and the back straight. And I, you know, had a very interesting style of fashion. Um, So, You know, I felt really lucky that she reciprocated that feeling of we're going to be friends forever. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, it was in fourth grade again. And the time that we really bonded was after um, a chorus program where we had just, you know, sang Gershwin's greatest hits and we were doing jazz squares and all that fun stuff. And um, after the program, everybody left except our two dads uh, recognized each other from a job that they'd both had. And it was kinda of a weird moment where it was like, All right, so I guess we'll just hang out while our dads talk and two seconds later she grabbed my hand and we <laughs> like skipped to the drinking fountain and sang this totally made up song about getting a drink. <laughs> and um it actually ended the last quote unquote lyric of that song was, We hope you like this song <laughs> and so that's kind of where the title came from and that I mean it was the beginning of our friendship and it just kind of never Spoiled. You know, other, a lot of girlfriends I have now are, you know, very envious of that friendship because usually, you know, you're friends with someone for a couple years and then you move on and then you move on to a new friend. And we just never really did that. We, you know, we were each other's rock for, you know, all the years,
2: like 15 years. So we, so, yeah, <laughs> so how, do, how do you become someone's rock? Well, I think
3: it was different for both of us. For me, it was the fact that she gave me so much confidence um, because, again, I was very shy (laughs) until someone got me in a room with, you know, just one other person, and then I was insane. But I had a really hard time being social, and having someone like her by my side and kind of taking the the brunt of things (laughs) – she was, you Mm -hmm. know, like my protector – that was huge for me, so that's, I think that's why she was my rock. And I think I brought out the opposite for her. You know, she, was, she lived out loud, and she was always, you know, in the spotlight, being crazy. And I think sometimes just sitting with me, someone a little quieter who, you know, would listen to her, and she could really be herself, um, and, and, you know, I, again, I'd support her with whatever she was going through. I think it was just, you know, it just really clicked in that kind of opposites attract kind of way.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's amazing. And I understand that a lot of people are jealous of that because we do miss the friendships that we start in childhood. Right. So on, on a serious note, this pre-eclampsia, none of us, I think for the listeners that are listening to you, have any clue what that is. Right. Because and we hear about it, but we don't believe that people can die from it. Exactly. So tell us a little bit about that. Um, I had honestly never
3: heard the word in my life until, you know, Shelley said she had it. And I had that same reaction, you know, it, should I be scared? Like, what is happening to you? And at the time, she just said, oh, it's common. You know, the doctors say it happens a lot and mm-hmm. I'll be fine. And so I was okay with that definition at the time. And now that, you know, you all know how this ends, I have made it kind of my purpose to talk a little bit more about it. Um, it's a pregnancy condition that is characterized by high blood pressure and protein in the urine, um, and it progresses really rapidly. Um, there's The sad part is there's really no cure for it right now. Um, okay. They usually just have to induce pregnancy, and then it goes away once the baby is born, but obviously that doesn't always happen. Um, so, it, it's kind of, it's tough to define because there is no cure and they don't know what causes it, but the most important thing is that women just look for the signs, um, which the, you know, the most important ones are um, swelling of the hands or face, which, you know, pregnant women get anyway, so you have to really pay attention to, to you know, how you're feeling and just how, with, the last time we saw Shelley, it my mom was concerned um, about how uh, swollen Shelley's ankles were and her parents said the same thing you know when she was home for Christmas she just looked a little too swollen. Um, also unrelenting headaches, visual disturbances and nausea and vo- or vomiting. Um, okay. So, so basically if you're not feeling right you really have to go talk to your doctor. I think a lot of us are intimidated <laughs> by the medical profession and we just kind of assume that if something's wrong they're going to tell us. And yeah
2: but but oh. isn't that difficult for young women to, first of all, already, like you said, we're intimidated, and second of all, we really don't know the signs. We we just think it's all about pregnancy, right?
3: Exactly. Exactly. So,
2: I, yeah. so how to differentiate that?
3: I honestly think that's the hardest part, and so it is more, you know, I actually got an email just yesterday, and it was so perfectly timed because I knew I was doing this interview, um... I got an email from a complete stranger. Um, She, I'll just, I have it right up here. I'm going to read it. Um, Oh, lovely. (laughs) She, you know, she said she dropped by to tell me how much she enjoyed the book. And then she said, I am also a preeclampsia survivor. I was diagnosed with it at 23 weeks, although I actually had symptoms that my doctor chose to ignore for weeks before that. If not for something or if not for some unexplained bleeding prompted me to go to the ER, who knows what, have, what would have happened. I had no idea what preeclampsia was at the time. So thank you for spreading the word. I mean, this is somebody who had it and is still, you know, not quite sure how it all happened. So I think it's it really is just your internal gut feeling if something is not it's, it's looking wrong. right. Yep. Yes, like please just go ask about it. The worst that can happen is they say, no, you're fine. Which isn't that bad of a, <laughs> a thing to happen if you ask your doctor. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Um, I wasn't sure in the book. Uh, you were with Shelley when she was dying, right? You were with her in the hospital, correct?
3: Yes, ish. I mean, she. It was. It's a very sad story because a lot of people, when they talk about someone who had passed, they can say at least he or she didn't suffer. Um, I can't say that. Like Shelley, it was a week um, that she was. Kind of, you know, going through a, a lot of different things, but she had her baby, and actually, Haley is eight years old, Shelley's child, um, and awesome, and so she's still here. So there is a very, very happy um, part of that. But she had Shelley had Haley at around six a.m. on Sunday morning, and then um, from that point, everything just kind of went downhill, and I. Didn't get there until Friday, the following Friday, because we had agreed that I would wait um, to come see her until the baby was born and I could, you know, see and play with the baby. But unfortunately, that (laughs) week after she had the child, she wasn't talking. Um, She, You know, she was kind of in and out of consciousness, but we never got to chat. Um, So in my own head, and this is a big part of the book because it's, I hold a lot of guilt from this. In my own head, I thought, I'll just wait until she's okay. I don't want to scare her by rushing, you know. I mean, in the movies, they, like, rush to be by her side. I I felt like if I did that, I would be admitting that something horrible was happening.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I, I understand. That.
3: Yeah, and so um, eventually I, you know, decided Friday would be the day I'd go, and I'd walk in and cheer her up, and it'd be, you know, this great moment. Um, but I got a call that... Uh, Friday, actually, while I was packing, and our friend Minda, who actually was our college RA because we lived together um, in the dorm, Shelly and I did, um, she told me that they uh, needed to give Shelly a liver transplant and that she had 48 hours, and so that kind of, I'll never forget that moment. Uh, I sped home, and I got to be in the room with her and see her and say goodbye, but it really was it It wasn't this movie moment you know she she was very jaundiced she they had already shaved half of her hair off she had a probe in you know in her skull uh her eyes were half open like she in my opinion was not there um so I was <laughs> you know by her side but it wasn't that great moment where we got to talk and you know, go through all our memories and I tell her how much I miss her, like that didn't happen.
2: (laughs) No, but she must have felt your presence. I mean, with a friendship like that, it's almost impossible not to. Right.
3: Well, and there was a weird little moment. Um, You know, some people had been there all week, like her her family had been there. And when I walked into the hospital room, her grandmother-in-law was sitting there. And (laughs) as I got closer, this really horrible noise happened, and it sounded very human. Um, And I kind of stopped in my tracks, and the nurses ran in and like shifted some machines and whatever, and then looked at me and said, Oh, no, everything's fine. That was just machines. And they left the room. And the little grandmother looked at me and she said, That has not happened all week. Like, that's the first time we have heard that. And so I hold that as the moment where, you know, it was a thank you for coming. I love you. You know, that was that was our moment, and it's unfortunate that it wasn't words, but just knowing that she knew I was there
2: is something yeah, i absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're going to go, unfortunately, in commercial break for a minute, uh, Brie, and we'll be right back. Okay, great.
5: Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network.
4: Family caregivers face some tough challenges every day in caring for a partner, parent, child, sibling, friend, neighbor, or even coworker. You are there to provide the care that these people need after everyone else has gone home. Family caregivers unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley will provide you with a social networking experience.
1: are tuned in to might radio do you have a question or comment for our show perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness please send an email to gabriella von ray at gmail.com that's g-a-b-r-i-e-l-l-a-v-a-n-r-i-j at gmail.com now back to might radio with gabriella von ray
2: Hi, everyone, and we're back with our guest author, Brie Housley, and she wrote a book about love and friendship, I would say, and it's about her friend who died of preeclampsia. Brie, we were just talking about when you were with her in the hospital. I presume one of the reasons you wrote the book was like a sort of self-healing project for you to get over this immense loss.
3: Yeah, um, it's funny because I wasn't sure when I started exactly (laughs) how this would all pan out, but it was based out of this, you know, no one tells you how to grieve, or if they do, they're usually wrong. You know, you you, you never quite know what you're doing. You feel like you're doing it, you know, you're not doing things right. And I, I just knew I needed to do something, so we started the project as just, you know, What will happen if we do this? And it was more me feeling like I owed Shelly this, like I owed her so much of who I am that it didn't feel okay that she was just going to disappear. So that's basically, uh, it it started as, you know, I want to do this for Shelly. And then as the year went on and I had this blog and this way I could talk about things that I hadn't really faced you know, and, and not have to talk face-to-face with someone, which sounds really bad, but sometimes when...
2: No, no, that helps. <laughs> yeah, like I, I didn't... I understand
3: <laughs> You I didn't have to see someone feel sorry for me, and I didn't have to accept a hug that I didn't want to... You know, it was just sitting there and saying these things, and, and, you know, memories I hadn't even thought about in years started coming out, and I actually, you know, one week... We did something where um, it was about appreciating all the little things uh, around you. Um, and we both picked, my sister and I both picked um, just objects that we had gotten in the past and, and wanted to tell the story about them. And that's honestly how I faced the hospital visit that I just told you about. I, I have this tiny ladybug that sits on my mantle. And, I mean, I always know, like, oh, that's, that's my Shelly's item but the story behind it was that I brought it to the hospital for her, and never gave it to her. And so to tell that, and I you know told it in a pretty detailed way, like I just told you. And the response I got, really, because I, mean, I was holding on to so much guilt, and I got a lot of strangers telling me I did, you know, I did this similar thing. Like I didn't rush to be by my friend, and it's It's what we do. Like, we don't want to freak out. And so just that alone was huge. And there were different things throughout the year, even fun stories that I would tell about her. Um, It just felt really good to have a place to do that. And, you know, when the year ended, I felt a healing. I, I, I mean, I felt kind of like a new person. And, you know, even friends who I had had all along said to me, like, oh, it was so good to hear you talk about her and hear these stories and so it was kind of an accidental healing really I just wanted to do something for her and of course I benefited <laughs> for it in the end because I really had a renewed sense of of just everything in life
2: <laughs> but you kind of feel um, you write in your book too that you feel an enormous loss of who you are when the other person dies right
3: oh absolutely um so, so tell
2: me a little bit about that
3: yeah there's uh, and and i've I've heard this from other people in the same situation when you spend so many years um with again that rock and mm-hmm. that person's gone like out of nowhere <laughs> i I had a huge panic attack, like oh my god, everything the two of us did is is in my hands um because if I forget it's gone forever, you know that her daughter will never know you know certain things about her if I forget these moments you know she has obviously an awesome family and sister, but they have very different memories than I do. And they knew a different Shelly than I know. And so, you know, keeping her alive was huge, but also, you know, me, (laughs) like my, so many years of my life were just her and I, like she was the one with all the friends. I had a couple, but mostly her. So pretty much every, every big moment was with her. And I definitely felt like I lost a, a sense of, you know, all of that. And, and yeah, and, and, and the the girl I'd call when something went wrong, all of a sudden wouldn't be there. I had, yeah. you know,
2: you know, it's, it's a scary thing. Absolutely. But basically you're saying that a person that Shelly who has died helped you basically grow from that. Um, you this- grew from, from Shelly's death.
3: Yeah, yeah, and in, in, in some ways definitely. Like I said, mm-hmm. I I was I'm a very comf- comfortable person. <laughs> I'm I'm a homebody. I like to just, you know, I I enjoy relaxing. Um but kind of like living uh the way Shelley lived really opened my eyes to how great people can be. Um whether it's the I have really great friends that I sometimes, you know, take for granted still even after I learned that lesson, but just getting out you know, on a Tuesday at six and talking to that person instead of just hanging out at home and watching TV and that kind of thing. Like, I just, I feel like I appreciate people more and, you know, whether it's my friends or just someone walking down the street, Um, we had a resolution where uh, we had to walk up and talk to strangers and also take a picture with them. And it was even the exercise (laughs) of looking someone in the eye that you don't know
2: was yeah, and, huge. Yeah, and it's doing something out of the box for you, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's kind of like people are waiting for you to be nice to them. <laughs> you know? <Okay>. Like, <laughs> I know, they actually are, by the way. <laughs> so, well, yeah. What are some of the things that you did in that year to honor Shelley that you would like to share with our listeners that, that you really feel was special? Well, I think that first one was huge, the
3: photo one, because that, like I said, I mean, I actually, when she passed away, her parents and sister gave me this big box of all of her pictures and journals and everything, and to just see what she held on to, like picture after picture after picture of her with, I I didn't even know half the people, (laughs) and just like smiling and happy. So it really, it was cool that my sister and I, who, you know, were not as outgoing, um, just to go up and talk to people was one thing but go that extra step and say uh, will you get a picture with me and then having that resulting picture to look at and just see you can see the joy, you can see you know whether the person was like what the heck you know or whatever, it was just really fun to have that almost evidence of, of how nice it is to connect to a stranger um, that one was definitely one of my favorites um, one of the scariest ones we did was karaoke um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's scary um, for
3: anyone <laughs> well, not any I mean there are either people who would love it like again a Shelly type you know would do that in a second they don't have a good voice and they don't care um, and then there's people like my sister and I who are uh, it's pretty much our nightmare. Um, and again, doing that, I walked off the stage, and I felt the biggest rush. Like I loved it for that second. Like I would, <laughs> I would never do it again, but I did. Like I felt like a new person, and I understood why Shelly enjoyed that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, it was it was just pure fun. Um, I'm trying to think what um, one of the other fun things we did was um, we kind of went back to being kids like do things you haven't done since you were a child because as we get older you know you you do a lot you don't take as many chances you don't um you know this like I went snowmobiling and it was such a little thing but just feeling that rush and like kind of not caring what happens was so refreshing um and we went uh, roller skating, which obviously was a big memory I had <laughs> with Shelly. And, you yeah. know, a bunch of 30-year-olds on roller skates is pretty scary. Um, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun.
2: <laughs> wow. It sounds like that year, really, what is the lesson that you take away from it, from that whole year?
3: I would say it really is just
2: getting out
3: and, you know, being with people and really you know i i guess appreciating life which it's it, you know it starts to sound so cliche but it's because it's true <laughs> you know like if you don't yep. get out there and do things you don't i mean what
2: what are you doing you <laughs> know what are you doing mm-hmm. with your life and would you say that you would continue doing that now yeah. in in your day-to-day life are there things that you learned in that year that you're going to do like for example socialize more uh, talk to strangers, open up. Uh, yeah, I, I I wish
3: I could say it's super easy, but I do. I still have to force myself. You know, I I have to wake myself up every once in a while and say, "Hey, remember how you felt that year and how great it was? Like, get out and do that again <laughs> because it okay. was. It was. I think that's why it was nice that it was a year long project. We stuck to that year, and you know, we failed maybe. Three resolutions. Not, I mean, we really stuck to it, and it was nice to have that beginning and end, so we knew we could, you know, (laughs) we could do it. And then as the years have gone by, I do like I have to remind myself, and I have that project to remind me. So it's a really nice, a nice thing to remind myself, I guess.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think all of us need to be reminded to just appreciate life. But again, as you hear in my show all the time, everything is rushed. Right. And we have so much pressure to do our work well yep. that we really do forget. So it's it's good that you are on my show to remind us to really take the time and to live and be just happy. Exactly. Whether it's with a stranger or a loved one, it's all the same. Yeah. We're going to go into a commercial break and we'll be right back with more questions, you. Great. <laughs> all right.
1: A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
4: is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety.
5: Are you a business innovator, or are you just sitting on the sidelines?
1: This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to Might Radio. Do you have a question or comment for our show? Perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness. Please send an email to Gabriella Von Ray at gmail.com. That's G A B R I E L L A. V A N R I J at gmail.com. Now, back to Might Radio with Gabriella Von Rey.
2: Hi, everyone, and we're back with Pre Eclampsia Month with author Bree Housley. Bree, I have another question for you. Uh, Brad, Shelley's husband, and Her child, Haley, who you told us is now eight, Mm -hmm. how are they dealing with their lives? Have they picked it up, and are basically happy? Oh, absolutely, they are amazing.
3: Um, I'm really lucky to still be in touch with them, as we all are. You know, uh, Brad (laughs) holds holds a lot of pressure, um, you know, with with being the father of Haley, but. Um they actually uh Brad did remarry um somebody named Michelle who again is a miracle. <laughs> um she is Shelley was a teacher and Michelle is also a teacher. Uh and just I mean she really <laughs> picked up that family and and you'd never guess that they had gone through this horrible tragedy. Um Haley's amazing. Again, yeah, she's 8 years old and I think the most amazing thing about this is she literally, was on the earth for a week with Shelly. Um, they only had one week to bond, and obviously, Shelley wasn't um, there for most of it, but she's got a lot of <laughs> Shelly's, uh, quote-unquote, spunky attitude. Apparently, she is a very big handful, and Michelle, <laughs> <laughs> the new mother. It makes me laugh
2: already. I know. <laughs>
3: <Okay>. <laughs> Michelle is the first person to say that, which would be really hard, you know, if, if you can imagine, be, you know, she was, they they call Shelley mommy and Michelle is mom, and to be mom, but know that your child has a big part of somebody else in them would would be so hard. But instead, Michelle really celebrates it, and obviously Brad is awesome. Like with with me, and we stay in touch. You know, I I did a book reading in Iowa Falls earlier this year, and you know, first of all, Haley introduced me <laughs> to the crowd, which was. Like, I had tears in my eyes. You know, she introduced me as her friend. And after the book reading, I went back to Michelle and Brad's and we had, you know, a bottle of wine and just hung out. And even as I was sitting there, I was just so impressed with how everybody, you know, dealt with what happened. Um, I, I couldn't be luckier to have them in my life.
2: Yeah, it, it sounds really nice for them, too, to have a, another woman in their life who's caring and who's willing to accept right. um, to be part of the family with, um, I wouldn't say baggage, but with a background sure. where there is a, the loss of a, a mother and a wife, right? Because it's a loss to Brad and to Haley. Right. But you made it sound like there were two children. Is that true? Did I catch that?
3: Um, no, Shelley and Brad only had Haley, but then um, they now have
2: two, and Michelle is pregnant with a third. So, ah, look at
3: that.
2: okay, good for Haley. <laughs> Maybe she'll get into mischief with these other oh, two siblings. I, I have no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what the what the listener doesn't know about you, Bree, and I've heard a little bit uh, in my travels through the Midwest, and meeting your father was. Everything that you're doing now on preeclampsia and you're doing walks and, and organizations so that people know more about it and donations, tell us a little bit. Well, I do have to give huge props to Shelly's parents, John and Brenda Warner. Um, they
3: actually had all the committees for, you know, all the preeclampsia fundraisers, um, and I work with them, but they, hands down, are (laughs) really making a difference. But yeah, there's something called a Promise Walk for preeclampsia, and they have them, you know, all over the country. Um, Actually, most of them just happened this month since it is Awareness Month and Mother's Day. Um, But in the future, if people want to go to promisewalk.org, they can find out when the walk in their town is Going to be, Um, and obviously the proceeds go to the Preeclampsia Foundation. Um, But yeah, so we do that every year, and there's a trivia night um, in March every year where uh, it's actually tons of fun, and that's in my hometown. Um, So yeah, so we do that kind of stuff, and you know,
2: but you set up the foundation, didn't you?
3: Oh no, no, (laughs) the foundation. No, you didn't. No, the foundation's been around um, for quite a while, but it's just now. You know, when people like Shelly, there are some other Shelleys out there. Um, when Since it has affected people like that, it's gotten a lot bigger. Um, the foundation is doing a lot attention. more. Yeah,
2: yeah. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, because all, I mean, if I understand you correctly, the lesson we have to learn is that it's about screening and going out there and basically ignoring your physician and saying, <laughs> listen, I'm in pain.
3: Yeah, yeah. And, Please and I double don't, check. <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> I, I definitely don't want to blame doctors. I think there are situations where more could have been done and you want to blame the doctor. But instead, I think it's more pushing out that positive message of just ask. Do it yourself if you have to. Like, don't count on them to, you know, notice when something's wrong with you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Now, on a totally different note, um you are a copywriter, right? For yes. advertisement in Chicago. Yes. Will there be another book? I, <laughs> I mean have... writing is obviously part of your life. Right, right. And, and I had... you've written the first one which is the most scary.
3: Right, exactly. <laughs> um yeah, I would love to write another book. I I enjoy both kinds of writing, obviously. Like it's fun to write commercials and advertisements and whatever, but it's also a totally different thing to, you know, be alone and in your head and write. And I think that part of it, what it'll always be therapeutic to me. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm working on a second book. I don't know exactly what it is yet. Um, and I, I... You don't I, want just, to spill one little bean? Come on. <laughs> just
2: one little thing.
3: Well, I mean, it'll obviously be... Um, kind of like the first one where I just tell way too much about my life (laughs) Um, but you know I I just it's really hard because that first book will be so close to my heart I know I can't really uh, think of something else that would mean that much to me so I'm going a little more the fun you know maybe more essay style for the second one Uh, but again I'm just I'm just kind of tooling around with that right now.
2: <laughs> okay. But, you know, by writing a book and by writing about your life, and you just said, I tell way too much about my <laughs> life, I I always feel that if you don't put your knowledge out there and your experience, no one can be empowered. Because, as you noticed, people, just like you said in the beginning of the show, a total stranger writes you because something that you said or you right. put out there gives her a connection with you and your story.
3: Yeah. And that and I, is, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I'm sure you you get that yeah. all the time. Like it really is. It touches your heart. You feel like you're just telling your story and for, for that to be helping somebody is just, I mean, wow.
2: <laughs> yeah, I agree. Totally. So please don't stop it. Do you still <laughs> blog weekly? Or have you given up because your job is too busy?
3: Yeah, it is tough right now doing... Um, I had heard that publicity for books is a job in itself, and it <laughs> definitely is. <laughs> Tell and me I'm about also, it. Yeah. <laughs> and I do have you know kind of the day job of the freelance advertising stuff. So it, I, I do blog. It's not weekly. Um, but there is on my uh, book website, which is wehopeyoulikethesong.com, uh, there is a blog function because we're doing the – so the blog project I did with my sister it was 52 resolutions, so it was one each week. So now we're doing um, just a 12, like one one a month, so 12 resolutions that other people can follow. Um, okay. Because, yeah, when it, it was kind of nice, like as we were doing the whole year thing, people were kind of following along. Like <laughs> Like we'd get emails from someone who also decided to do that because we were doing that, which was really – We didn't really expect that. Um, So then when the book came out, uh, we, you know, I just came up with 12 resolutions that people could follow if they wanted to. They're not as crazy. I'm not going to have people go out and do karaoke. Um, But for instance, this (laughs) month... Why not? Well, I would need to see proof, which would be pretty hilarious. Um, (laughs) But this month was um, say yes to everything. You know, when, when someone invites you to do something, but you would rather sit at home in your underwear to eat cheese... Say yes, get out of the house, go do this thing, because if you don't, you, you won't have any stories to tell anyone. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Talk about cheese. I saw in your book <laughs> that your name really wasn't the cheese. You must have had oh that a lot gosh. as a child.
3: That, it's the first thing, even as an adult, people ask me. Um, when I introduce myself, I say, Brie, and they say, oh, like the cheese? And I just, look. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, my parents did not name me after cheese. Like, I get the joke. It's not funny anymore. I'm 34 years old. <laughs> so now I just put it out there right away. I'm like, you know, I'm Brie, not like the cheese. I'm Brie like the person.
2: I um, had never heard <laughs> your name until, I mean, I've never heard your name before, <laughs> ever before. Well, it's
3: becoming a thing now because there was a Brie on um, Desperate Housewives. So now Ah. there are some young Bries running around now. But, yeah, I, I never really knew a Brie growing up either. So I should give people a little more credit for their cheese jokes. But
2: (laughs) it does just get to that point. Yes, I I agree a little bit with you. It actually sounds boring. (laughs) You know, they'll they'll get over it. I hope for you. (laughs) But hey, at least you put it in the book, so that maybe now they won't ask you
3: anymore. Well, between that and the part where I mention I'm not a hugger, people that I meet now are like, okay, I know you don't like to hug, but can I have a hug? (laughs) And I feel so bad that people think I hate hugging. I just, I'm getting over it. It's another way I'm
2: growing because of the book. (laughs) I'm
3: hugging people now.
2: (laughs) Hey, but there's there's nothing wrong with blogging and putting it out there. There are many people that love to hug and are totally social and that couldn't write one Uh, word on paper. And don't forget, you reach a much wider audience through the blog and through people being able to read it, and they will definitely follow your lead with it. Unfortunately, we have to go into one commercial break again, and we'll be right back, everyone.
0: willing to stand out from the crowd being a leader in creating a new reality even if others don't follow you can make a difference start by tuning in to the value of controversy each week our hosts will bring you the tools to help create the world that you want to live in and explore what's possible when you choose from the controversy of consciousness listen for the value of controversy every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel
1: We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Might Radio. Do you have a question or comment for our show? Perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness. Please send an email to Gabriella Von Ray at gmail.com. That's G A B R I E L L A. V-A-N-R-I-J at gmail.com Now, back to Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray.
2: Hi everyone, this is the last segment with our guest and author Bree Housley. Bree, unfortunately we're coming slowly to an end. <laughs> But it's always like that. Uh, and, and I didn't even write down what question I was going to ask you. I was quite clear about it during the commercial. Terrible. What is it that you would like to leave the listeners with in the sense of because they're listening and they can't see your book? And I have it, of course, in my little hut there, <laughs> um, which, by the way, the cover is really lovely. Oh, and, yeah. I, I
3: Actually, the cover, yes. since people aren't looking at it, those our actual pictures that Shelley and I took in those little photo booths, like uh, from fourth grade all the way until, you know, she passed away. If we saw one of those old fashioned photo booths, we would jump inside and, you know, take a strip of pictures and she saved them all. So when it came time to create the cover, I sent those as kind of a inspiration piece, like, oh, there's all these photos of us and, you know, my, uh, book cover designer used them and I could not have been more excited to see that. I think it's really cool to see us kinda through the years and, you know, not have to create those pictures.
2: <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I think it's fantastic. That's the first thing I noticed because I think, uh, not for the young people out there today that are seven, of course, they don't even know what a photo booth is.
3: <laughs> right, and it's such a testament because you can see the different kind of fads that are going on and each, you know, the big bangs in one picture or, you know, just like you can tell that we're going through those formulative years.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I did. And uh, I saw some of the pictures which. I thought words well, were hilarious because of the hairdos, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's,
3: it's insane, the things that we thought were cool back then. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I agree totally. So um, would you like to mention where people could buy your book, Bree?
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously it's on Amazon.com, and you can find it at Barnes & Noble. But the thing that I would love even more is if you would people would go to their local bookstores and request it. Um, it's always good to support the, the small bookstores, um, but yeah, it is in the in the bigger places too. Amazon and yep.
2: Barnes and Noble. I can't agree more because the small book places are going out of business. I
3: know, and they're so great when you know when you do a reading at those little bookstores. They're just so wonderful, and it's really sad that they you know seem to be disappearing.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When are you going to do your next book reading?
3: Um, I am. I'm scheduling one right now, um, but it's not set, so I probably shouldn't say. But it'll be on my website, which is wehopeyoulikethesong.com And I also update my Facebook page with that kind of information. And that is also We Hope You Like the Song. Um, just search for that on Facebook. And, okay. and I also tweet <laughs> about my events. And my Twitter handle is Bri the Author, so That's B-R-E-E. And then the author. Brie, the
2: author. I'm writing this right down.
3: (laughs) I was Lenny Coggins um, up until the book came out, and I was told I should probably change that since nobody knows what that means.
2: (laughs) I can understand that. So as you know that I've been living in the Quad Cities while traveling through the Midwest, And I have heard so much. I haven't met you, which I'm going to. I hope you'll look me up the next time you're (laughs) in your hometown. But everyone I talk to is really proud of your work, Bri. I just wanted you to really know that. And, People have told me that your book was brilliant and that the work that you do for preeclampsia is truly an example for other people. And just the fact, I I know that you said in the beginning of this interview that you're not social, but to go out there and to do that is pretty courageous. (laughs) I'm learning, I'm learning. I think think that's just as much human kindness as Shelley showed you. Yeah, yeah. well, and
3: I, I actually cut you off when you were asking what I want people to take away from this. I started okay, talking about the book it. cover. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is one of the biggest things, like just getting out, meeting people, That that's a very small part of it. What's bigger than that is just appreciating the people that are already in your life. And, you know, the best emails I get are people who say, I could not – read your book without calling my best friend from childhood. And I love that people are reuniting with the people that have made them who they are. Like, that's huge. And then, obviously, passing along the preeclampsia message along with that. I think that is 100% all I want people to do.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. And your sister was a big part of this book, right?
3: Yes. I mean, I could not have done the whole year of resolutions without somebody to call. Like I said, that's one of my saddest things with Shelly, that I can't call her anymore. But having my sister, uh, I definitely would not have been able to go through the year without having her um, going through it with me.
2: (laughs) I also feel like as if you got closer to your sister because of this. Is that correct or Uh, am I just... No, very much. Like we were always close, but it was the...
3: I mean, we were talking at least three times a day for an entire year. And it was, yeah, she definitely like filled that best friend void that, you know, I've kind of been missing, even though we were close before that, you know, we already had a good relationship, but this Mm -hmm. took us to that whole different
2: level of, you know, wow, I could not survive this year without her that that teaches all of us something out there to do maybe something with our sisters right exactly Exactly. which we don't really think that we have anything in common with but let's do it it's actually (laughs) fun isn't it yes it was was, i couldn't imagine any better person to go through it with i I can't either it's it's (laughs) great that you had her um i'm really happy for you and like i said i'm going to finish the rest of your book because i haven't (laughs) read everything and let me know when you're um when you're in town because i really have to meet you now
3: of course i would love to meet you
2: (laughs) and uh i think you should become a copywriter for the ads of voice america (laughs) <laughs> All right, we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I to send you a little email there because I need some hands done myself. So who knows? We could do other stuff together. In any case, Brie, it was an absolute delight to have had you on this show. Oh, it was And too. I'm sure our listeners got definitely something out of it and please everyone buy her book on amazon or barnes and nobles or i agree actually more with brie go to your local bookstore and demand (laughs) that they get it in because they have the means to do that for you and it's so much easier and it really promotes other people so thank you very much brie and for for the listeners we'll be back next week thank you very much thanks
1: Thank you again for joining us this week. Mike Radio with Gabriella Von Ray can be heard every Friday at noon Eastern Time, 9 Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week. And until our next show, think of a random act of kindness that you can perform.